You are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, York Region. For more information, visit hbcyr.ca. All right, let's get our Bibles out this morning and uh, flip them open to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, as we uh, continue in our series, The Journey. And uh, this message this morning is really about the journey of those who were the disenfranchised. And we want to take a look at that in the context of the shepherds. But as you're flipping your Bibles open and thinking about that, when something wonderful happens, something amazing happens, who are the first people that you want to tell? Uh, When a child is born, who gets the news first? I remember when our kids were born, um, uh, we were in uh, British Columbia living on Vancouver Island and Carl was born and um, the the first people who got the word were our parents. Uh, That's where the first calls. To my parents, to Sue's parents, uh, they got the word first. A couple years later, uh, Beth was born. Uh, She's here with us today. And uh, it was interesting that after she was born, I couldn't phone my parents. Um, I ended up phoning them first, but like I was a wreck. Um, And I don't know if it's because we now had a little girl or I just knew what we got ourselves into again. But, um, but the reality is, it was great news, and the first people who I wanted to know about it, uh, they were the people who were most important in my life. They were our parents, some close friends were then in- informed, and then people who had proven themselves trustworthy over time, or people who had endured with us in, in difficult things. That when, when we get good news, we kind of have a pecking order of who's going to find out. And it's the people who are closest to us, people who we like, people who have influenced us the most. And yet, when the Lord Jesus Christ is born, God doesn't act like that. You would think that the religious leaders would find out first. You would think the, those who were the educated, the learned people would find out first. And, but no, that's not how God works. Actually, the shepherds... The shepherds were the first ones to find out, and the shepherds in many ways represent the disenfranchised people of their day. And yet, in God's economy, they would be of the very first people who would see the Savior, Jesus Christ. We find the story in Luke chapter 2, so let's stand together. We want to honor God as we read his word, and I'm going to read starting at uh, verse 8, Luke chapter 2. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts appraising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. 
Let's pray together. Father, uh, thank you for your word today. Uh, thank you for this amazing story, this amazing a piece of scripture, which again, Lord, runs so counter to probably how we would have done things. But in your amazing plan, in your economy of time, economy of what was important, God, this, this is how you chose to reveal your son. And Lord, we pray that you would give us ears to hear your word and minds to understand it. But then, Lord, as the shepherds would go away changed, Lord, that we would go away changed today as well. So do your work in our hearts. Do it for your glory. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can take your seats. Well, if there's one thing I would like you to get from this message today, it would be this. You come as you are, you leave changed. You come as you are, you leave changed. Let's take a look at the shepherds. Three things we want to see. The first one, we want to see where they were. We want to see their position. It says, and in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. I want to talk about them as in the context of being the disenfranchised. Uh, but the idea comes from, the, first of all, the opposite of what it meant to be uh, franchised. Uh, if you own a store and you have a franchise, uh, the reason for that is so that you would have some freedom. You're not under servitude. You're not under restraint. That's kind of the idea of what it means to have a franchise. And, uh, and so to be disenfranchised, so it broadly... It describes someone who's of, uh, under some kind of legal rights or lost legal rights. Um, most often it's used today of withholding the right to vote or more specifically in our culture today of a diminished social or political status of a marginalized group or of a person and uh, of someone who is marginalized and they're called disenfranchised. Uh, we see it in our, our world, the, the folks who are homeless uh, they see themselves as disenfranchised. They, they're in a spot. They can't fix it. They can't do anything about it. And uh, a street people, uh, maybe someone who is disabled. Sue and I were going into Walmart uh, yesterday morning, and there was a, a lady sitting at the front door waiting for a ride, I think, in a wheelchair um, who had no legs. And uh, I, I'm sure that uh, in people's minds, and maybe in her own mind, I don't know her, but there's a sense of I'm on the outs. Um, uh, people who are in poverty, maybe someone with mental illness. We, we describe these people as being disenfranchised. Well, the shepherds were much like that in their society. Uh, they were the ones with a diminished social or political status. They were a marginalized, they were a marginalized group. They were looked down upon in Jesus' day. Uh, why? Well, first of all, they were ceremonially unclean. The religious leaders didn't like the shepherds. Why? Because sheep had to be taken care of seven days a week. And so therefore they couldn't come and they couldn't do all the things that needed to be done to remain ceremonially clean. And so they were disenfranchised because they were unclean. They also had a reputation of being untrustworthy. They kind of lived in a world often what is yours is mine. And um, they were considered unreliable and were not allowed to give testimony even in a court of law. And so you have these people who are on the outs, these people who are the disenfranchised, and yet when God comes to reveal his son, Jesus Christ, that's where he starts. That's who he goes to. You're like, well, pastor, that's nice, but, but how does that affect me? 
Um, I, I don't feel disenfranchised. I feel very much franchised. Well, may we never forget how far away we were from God and, and how there was nothing we could do about it. And we sat on the outside and we couldn't fix it. We couldn't improve our lot in life until the Lord Jesus Christ came to us. And so we have these shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night, the disenfranchised. But then they have an opportunity. And God gives them an opportunity, and we see that in verses 8 and 9 again. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And look, and the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. In their opportunity, the first thing you need to see is that God shows up. God shows up for them. God often showed up in people's lives. People who didn't want it, people who weren't looking for it, people who weren't expecting it. Remember, these, these shepherds are out in their field keeping watch over their flock by night. They weren't expecting God to show up. They were just doing their thing, going about their way in their day. And God did that many times in Scripture, a few illustrations of that. After an Adam, Adam and Eve have fallen in sin, and God shows up. Moses in the burning bush, God shows up. Abraham as he's about to sacrifice his son Isaac, and, and God shows up. Paul on the road to Damascus, uh, heading out to uh, kill or put in prison Christians, and, and God shows up. And God showed up in your life if you're a follower of Jesus Christ one day. You were in your plan, you were doing your thing, and, and one day God showed up. I, I love the verse in Hebrews uh, chapter 1 verse 2. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son. Because God shows up. Whom he appointed to be the heir of all things, through whom he created all things. So the shepherds are out in the field kind of minding their own business. They just want to make sure that the, the bears or the wolves or the lions don't get at the sheep. And sometimes I think we kind of lose sight of what's really going on here in their lives. We, you know, we sing songs like, Silent night, holy. It's all just peace and kind of kumbaya-ish that's going on here. And it's pitch black and, and, and they can hardly see and they're just trying to do their job the best they can. It's not like it is in church on Sunday morning and the lighting's all here and we get it. For them, for them maybe it was, maybe it was more, a little bit more like this. And the glory of the Lord shone on them. Okay, you can turn that off because people are squinting. But maybe it was a little bit more like that. They're just going along in their lives and all of a sudden, bam, God shows up. And the glory of the Lord shines on them. So the first thing we see that God shows up, the next thing that ties right into it is that God seeks after them. God seeks after them. Any theology that you have ever been taught that says you found God is wrong theology. It's wrong theology. A man never seeks after God. We heard it in the testimonies of the uh, baptisms today. Um, there isn't any righteous, 
No, not one. No man seeks after that. That comes right out of the Old Testament. Psalm 14, 2 and 3. The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good. Not even one. The Lord seeks after them. And Jesus said, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them in John 6, 44. A couple more verses just so you understand the severity and the importance of this. Luke 19, 10, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Ephesians 2 says, you were dead in your trespasses in sins and God, Jesus Christ, made you alive. Last time I checked, dead people don't do anything. They just kind of lay there. And then they go into the grave. And no dead person reaches out to the Lord. And so spiritually, we are in a dead position. And the Lord Jesus Christ reaches out to us. God's Spirit reaches out to us. He's the one who begins the work that brings us from death to life. So that we understand, for by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not your own doing. It's a gift of God not a result of work so that no one can boast. And this is a critical, important, theological truth in our lives. And that we're wandering around, we are the shepherds on the hill, in the darkness, and, and God shows up, and God seeks after us. Well, when that happened... Which, by the way, that is the good news. Uh, they were afraid. Look at verse 9. Uh, verse 9 says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Uh, maybe the most understated statement in the entire Bible. Are you kidding me? Like you're sitting out there with your other four buddies, and uh, the Lord shows up, and the glory of the Lord shows up, and you're like, ah! You just... You're ready to run. You're ready to hide. You're ready to do anything. You, you've never seen the glory of the Lord before. You've never experienced this before. Uh, what's the result? Fear. Fear. When God shows up in your life and you're not in Christ, the only reaction you can have is fear. Am I going to get snuffed out? Am I going to be put down? Is this all there is and it's over for me? They were filled with um, fear, with great fear. And that's what happens in our lives when we are separated from God and come to grips with the separation and we can't do anything about it. It brings us to a place of fear. But I'm so thankful even in this narrative, it doesn't stop there. Look at verse 10, right through to 14. They were filled with great fear and the angel said to them what? He said, Fear not. Fear not. You don't have to fear anymore. You don't have to be afraid anymore. Why? Well, I'm going to bring you good news. That's the gospel. I'm bringing good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And so the shepherds who you think would be the last peoples to find out are the first people who find out that God is bringing a message which is for the entire world, a message which is for all of the people. When the angel, and then it says, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host. 
You don't need to be afraid. Why? For unto you was born this day in the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. All the reason of fear for man, all of our, our, our weaknesses, all of our frailties, all of the I can't fix these things are, are now about to be solved in the Lord Jesus Christ. Outside of Jesus Christ, you need to be afraid. But in Jesus Christ, fear not. Because I have good news for you. A Savior has come and his name is, is Jesus and so in their opportunity, God shows up and God seeks after them and they are afraid, but they're told you don't need to be afraid because that leads us to the next thing and that's their response. It's their response. Look, you see it in uh, verse 15. And when the angel went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So first of all, there's a sense of urgency. When the angel went away from them, they said, let us go. Some of the older translations say, let us now go. Uh, to, to kind of give you that sense of urgency. And that certainly is in the original language. They're like, okay, we got all this information. Let us now go. Uh, let us now go. But there's something I'd really never noticed before in this text until the last, I guess really last week. And, um, and that's, uh, they were never told to go. They were never told to go to Bethlehem. The angel didn't say, get up and go to Bethlehem. Didn't say that. Presented all the information to them. Gave them all of the pieces that they needed. Uh, but they had a responsibility. They had to make a decision to let us go. And so when you think about this and the theology of this in our salvation, uh, God shows up. God reveals himself. And that's what God does but we have a responsibility to respond. We have a responsibility to make a decision. They had to decide to go. They were given the information. They were given the opportunity. But they had to make a decision. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. And that happens as God reveals himself to us. And they make this decision that it's time to go. Let us go. And then they have an action in verses 16 and 17. It wasn't just that they thought about going. They didn't just sit there. And in verses 16 and 17, they, they get up and they move. And, and they went with haste. And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. There, there's an action that takes place in their lives. So you have to, you have to kind of imagine what's going on here. They're the sitting on this hill. The lights shine. The angel comes. The other angels come. The declarations are made. A baby is going to be born in the city of David. And he will be the savior of the world. And now they make a decision to go. And they have to get up and go. Now, I don't know how this all played out. The Bible doesn't say. I don't know if there were two shepherds or four shepherds or ten shepherds. The Bible doesn't say, so don't make the Bible say stuff it doesn't say. But I can't help but wonder, who was the shepherd who drew the short straw and didn't get to go? Because they didn't just leave the sheep, not likely. They had responsibilities and, you know, some poor guy didn't get to go and meet Jesus. Um, Adding that, it's not in the Bible, it's, uh, but it's interesting when you think about some of the things that, that might have gone on. They make this decision and they have to go. Well, where will we find him? In Bethlehem. 
Well, Bethlehem probably at that time had about 5,000 residents who lived there. And so it wasn't like they were given a GPS or an address and the star is not shining over the stable, shining down like with an arrow going, he is here, he is here. Uh, that's not going on at all. And so they come off the hill and they head to Bethlehem and they're probably talking to each other, well, how are we going to find him? How are we going to find him? And did they stick their head in a number of stables before they go there? Did they knock on how many doors? And don't know. All I know is they took the action and they did whatever it took to go and find the Savior. They didn't give up. They didn't stop. Uh, there's a reality in our lives, in our, our walk with Jesus Christ, when we're called to do something and you put your faith and trust in Christ, that, that we're called to an action. And no one ever says the action will be easy. It might take a lot of determination. It might take a lot of perseverance. A, a lot of you don't give up. I, I thought about Ephesians chapter 6 when it talks about putting on the armor of God. It says, after you've done everything to stand, you have to stand. There's an action that's required in, in the believer's lives as we uh, seek to live for God and for his glory. So the first thing that we know about them is that they made a decision. There was an action to go and... And the great news is there was a revelation for them. It says they saw. They saw. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby laying in a manger. And when they saw it, and when they saw it, they see this little baby laying there. They meet the Savior. And, and anybody else who might have just walked into the room just saw a baby. And they're like, oh, that's a cute little kid. Isn't he nice? Too bad he had to be born out here like this. But, but, the, but the shepherds have met the angels. They understand there's so much more going on here. And the Lord Jesus Christ is revealed to him, and, and they saw him. That was the revelation. But then notice it goes on, and it says in uh, verse 20, well, for, let's just read through it. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them. We're coming back to that in a second. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. That's a footnote of what's going on in Mary's life. The shepherds didn't know about that. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. And so we have this uh, revelation, and then in verse 20 it says, and the shepherds returned. And the shepherds returned. Speaks a little bit of their destination when they returned. Uh, the disenfranchised come, and they meet the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to see about them giving glory to God. But then it says they, they went back. That they went back. They went back into the hills. Their lot in life didn't change. They were still shepherds. They were still ceremonially unclean. They would still be looked down. And all of those things stayed the same. But their worship didn't. But their worship is different. You come as you are, but you leave changed. Their worship would never be the same. It says, and they returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. 
Uh, they're overwhelmed with what's gone on and they're going to tell some people about these things. Uh, verse 17, when they saw it, they made known the saying. And so I'm sure anybody who happened to be in the stable or around the stable at that time, they heard. They heard what had just gone on. They heard about the revelation from the angels. They heard about the angel choir that came and said. They heard about, and they, they're going to tell people about that. And it says, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. Now write this thought down. You can give it some uh, more thought as you go through the day today. And I would say this. You lead them to wonder. God will bring them to worship. You lead them to wonder. God will bring them to worship. Uh, right after they see the Lord Jesus Christ, everybody who's there, they start telling them, here's what's happened, here's what's happened, here's what's happened. And they wondered, it says. Uh, just very much as God had done with them. All of the information was revealed. All of the information was revealed. And then they came and met the Lord Jesus Christ. And they go away glorifying God. They go away worshiping him. It made me think of our responsibility for people in our world. Uh, we had the privilege last night of, of seeing a lady come to Christ in salvation. Isn't that amazing? But, but I didn't save her. A testimony in a baptism didn't save her. Uh, her friend who's been very faithful in her life from what I understand for many years didn't save her. God saved her. That's what God did. But every one of those other pieces were part of this. And maybe you wonder whether your influence on someone's making any difference. And I'm telling you, it did in that lady's life. Uh, uh, a man last week after the service came and uh, prayed with Dave Locke, and he trusted Christ as his Savior. But we didn't save them. God saved them. Uh, the shepherds just told the story of what had happened. They brought someone to wonder. They brought the truth they brought the, the reality of what had happened in, through their testimony. They, they, they set the table, but God brings people to salvation. Therefore, never give up on someone. And don't put on yourself a responsibility that's not your responsibility. They left changed. There's a realization for them. They were changed. Imagine what's going on here. They're changed people. Uh, they were shepherds who were disenfranchised, who had no right to have a voice even in their world at that time. And, and yet they're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ and, and people are left wondering, what, what's going on here? What's, what's happening here? And the wonder that they were brought to brought them to the point of their own personal worship and glorifying God. You will find the baby who is the Savior, Jesus Christ, the Lord I don't know what happened to the shepherds. The Bible doesn't say. But did they later on intersect with Christ again? And did they, after the resurrection, did they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ? The Bible doesn't say. So let's not speculate about those things. But here's what I know. They obeyed God and they met the Savior. God laid out the truth and they met the Savior. And they left, they left differently. They left different when they arrived. And so the question for you today is, have you met the Savior? 
Have you been filled with this wonder through testimony of a friend? Have you heard the gospel of Jesus Christ here or somewhere else and you've been left with wonder? But have you ever gotten up? Have you ever taken action? Have you ever gone? Have you ever met the Lord Jesus Christ? I see the Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith. I already read it. Not by yourself. It's what God did for you. It's a gift. And all you have to do is receive the gift. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. It's not some mystical, magical words. It's an understanding. They were, the, the whole world was looking, in Israel especially, they were looking for a savior, one who would deliver their people. And Christ has come to deliver us from our sin and we come to the place of understanding separation from God with no hope. And I'm gonna put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ because that's my only hope. That's when you meet the Savior. And you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says, and you're saved. It's a turning from what you were, a turning to who Jesus Christ is. It's a turning from your sin. It's a turning to his righteousness. It's a turning from no hope. It's a turning to eternal hope. And it's all done by faith alone in Christ alone. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ, you need to find the baby. Yeah, that's a bit of a play on words because Jesus, the story of Jesus coming at Christmas is, it's not about the manger and the baby. It's about the manger and the baby that he would come, he would live a righteous life, he would be the one who could pay for your sin. Ultimately, he would hang on a cross and die for your sin and be buried and rise again and would make intercession for you if you are his child. You come as you are and you leave changed. And that's true for the rest of us. It says, after they saw Jesus, they were glorifying and praising God. And maybe that's the two takeaways for every follower of Jesus Christ here. How much, how much emphasis in your life, how much time in your life, how much priority in your life is giving to praising God and giving him the glory in your life? How much is that the priority for you? How much time are you focused and fixated on the things of this world and not fixated on the Savior who came for you? Uh, what's the thing God put on your heart even as I said that? You come as you are and you leave changed. Well, so what? So what? The shepherds, they came as they were. They weren't expecting to go to Bethlehem that night. They hadn't packed any bags. They didn't, they just came as they were. And they left changed. And they were the disenfranchised, the diminished socially, the political status was not theirs for them. They were the marginalized group. And maybe you feel a little bit like that today, spiritually. And you feel like you're separated from hope and separated from security and separated from opportunity and separated from a lack of trust. And, and you need to meet the Savior. That's who God called first, and they met their Savior. You come as you are, you leave changed. But you say, well, I'm not good enough. I've failed too much. I've failed too often. The picture of God's word is you don't clean yourself up first. You don't try and get things right, but you come as you are. And you will leave, today you will leave changed. So that whether that's for someone today in salvation, 
and you need to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ because you've never done it, this is the day. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Maybe you're here as a follower of Jesus Christ and as you hear these words, you're like, the priority of praising and glorifying God hasn't even been in my top 10 for the last week and, and you need to repent of your sin and you need to turn and you need to make some new goals and some new priorities. You just come as you are and you leave changed. Or maybe it's just part of your sanctification and growing up in Jesus Christ. And the road is bumpy and we're figuring it out and... But today I'm, I'm going to meet the Savior and I'm going to leave changed as a result. I'm going out of this place with a passion, a desire to understand who Jesus is more and to glorify him and to praise his name forever. How will you come today? The first song we sang today says, uh, the baby came and everything changed. The Lord Jesus Christ came so that you could have life and you could have abundantly. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. The baby came and everything changed. As a follower of Jesus Christ, you can't walk this life by yourself, but God goes with us. He goes before us. It was, it was reminded to me again in our prayer time this morning with the elders that, that we get to pray. We get to come to the very throne room of God through Jesus Christ. You come as you are, and everything changed. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the example of uh, these shepherds. Thank you for what they picture. Thank you for what they did when, when they were intersected by you. God, their lives were turned around. And they responded as they needed to respond to. And Lord, for the person who needs to respond today in trusting Christ for their salvation, God, would you do that work in them? I, I can't make someone do that. I can only bring them to wonder. I can only bring them to what does God's word say? And Lord, you begin that work, but then Lord, they have to respond. But Lord, the rest of us in the room have to respond as well. The shepherds, they saw, they saw the Savior. They met Jesus and they left praising God and glorifying you, God. Is that our heart? Is that our passion? Is that what's first for us? God, do the work you need to do in our hearts for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.